Listening to Omnis Protocol, I am Charles, also known as Omnis. I have a very special episode planned. Danny, what's going on, my man? Well, hello. Uh, things are going well. And I, I didn't feel like just one beautiful man was enough to help me with this podcast. So Amon, the wargamer, is also present, bringing up the sexy levels of OP. Hello there. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm really, uh, I'm kind of excited to have a like a three person cast. It's been so long since uh, since I've hosted one. I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, backing me up. Yeah, it's always good to like have group conversations. You know, talk about your feelings, see how things are going in life. Yeah, like, I mean, I imagine there's probably a lot of listeners to OP that were not playing the game when I started casting, and they're like mcp did not start like shatterpoint shatterpoint hit and it felt like everybody was fucking playing it when mcp launched like there was a few people but when i was starting like tt and pat were kind of doing their thing and i was trying to figure out like what my show would be like i didn't even know like i i was trying to even think of someone who would be a good co-host and i was like maybe i just dive fully into the interview thing because it's always a little weird when you do interviews and you've got a like a co-host and like do you split the questions and like and it, it can just be really awkward and i had times back in the the rfp days where you know emmanuel would be on an interview thing with me and i would feel like emmanuel would be like five to ten percent of the episode and like that's not fun for him either but now I've I've really even though I like dove into it I'm like I'm just not sure I want every episode to be that way. So again, thank you guys. Um the topic for this episode is we're going to talk about tournament formats and kind of like how that means to us and what we want out of them and uh figured out open it up first cuz we've kind of we've gone through a full year of LVO qualifiers and now we're almost done with a second year and I'm really kind of curious what you guys think Danny you uh I mean you just won one you've been knocking a whole bunch out how do these feel for you how do they feel for your kind of your store like what's 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 your thoughts so far I think in terms of the pro side it's really kind of like set dates ahead of time where we know things are going to be basically popping off. Right. We have a lot of people coming down, like they've had pretty good attendance. I think the lowest is like 16, uh, which is good. Right. Just for like a local events and stuff. And so it's been something that we, in like specific requests have been kind of like talking to each other, going to each other's events and really kind of like hyping them up. And so in the sense of like building our community, it's actually gotten this all together, which is interesting. Nice. Nice. That's always, that's always good to hear. Like for the local Bellevue area, we had multiple stores that were not running any events and then they run an LVO qualifier and now they're trying to like be more, be more active. Like Zulu's totally went from no tournaments to scheduling a monthly tournament after their first qualifier. But I've kind of heard the opposite as well, where I've have heard of some communities that like they go to schedule an LVO qualifier and then like the community starts grinding out games and stuff. And it can like push some of their more casual people, um, not kind of intentionally push them out, but like they just kind of feel like the community's gotten really competitive and they're not enjoying the games quite as much. Amon, what is, what has your experience been with, uh, with kind of the qualifier system so far? 
Yeah, first of all, super grateful that you and Tyson put on the event. And I preface with that because <laughs> I will say that it's a little bit it's been more of a frustrating experience I think for my local community because I think maybe we were slower to organize as a group and because of that we didn't get any local qualifiers. And so it is a little frustrating for us because a lot of us, I, I do believe we have a really good community and, you know, we go toe to toe with Austin and Dallas who, you know, have Sooner and, and Mandalore and Orange Zach. And the Texas is community. a big fucking state. Like there's a lot of people who play games. Yeah, exactly. And so it feels like the fact that Texas, which arguably is, you know, one of the largest populations for MCP in theory, only gets like one or two qualifiers over the year is very frustrating. And so a lot of that maybe could onus could be on us because we didn't organize it. But at the same time, I do feel like the distribution, like I don't understand how it works. Is it first come, first serve? It's basically first come, first serve. Um, There's a little bit of, you know, if someone was trying to schedule a qualifier, like literally in the exact same city and we already had one, especially in a smaller area, sometimes there's some discussion about those. Like, is that something that we want to allow? But we haven't had it come up very much. But we even in like, say, Washington State, no single store has gotten multiple. But they'll be like, oh, if you drive a half an hour north, there was another store that a different game store that that scheduled one as well. Um, We certainly had that problem with uh, I think it was Paradox was our local was one of like it was a Tacoma store. So it's like a good chunk south of Seattle. I told them months and months earlier to register and then they missed the window and didn't get a a qualifier last year because they just didn't do it for months. Um, Is there, do you you feel like there's people at those stores that now like know what to do and know how to apply? Yeah. I mean, effectively I surmise that it was maybe first come first serve. I appreciate you clarifying, but I said, Hey, you know, we missed the ball this year, next year, let's just submit a bunch of events. Cause like right now the two or three events that have occurred in Texas, we're driving two and a half, three hours, four hours for those events. Right. And so Houston's a really big place. Like you could have one in Pearland if you're familiar with the greater Houston area, one in Katy, one in the West Houston, one in Central Houston. And those are all 45 minutes away, right? So maybe we should just do that. And so I told everyone just the day it goes live, request an event, and hopefully they all get approved. Yeah, I'd have to, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm not 100% sure that someone couldn't just submit for next year already. Like I don't think there's an official start time. Right. Because you might be if you wanted to run an event in February. Right. When. When does that officially start? Because you're going to kind of want it on the schedule. Right. Like it's not like there's a hard deadline, but I'll double check with Tyson and see if there's how far out we would let people schedule. Um, And maybe there should be a conversation like should some of the really big active states should we like hold back? Like, should we hold back and make sure that the greater Texas area gets at least two to three qualifiers because they have so many people. Like if there's stores that want to do it, like make sure that Dallas gets one and make sure that Houston gets one, that sort of thing. I mean, the way you can kind of do it is like heats, right? Like, yeah, the first half of the year, second half of the year, you're like, Hey, you know, we have 64 slots. We're going to open up 32 first half. We're going to open up the second half, you know, as we get towards like May and stuff like cool. Like, Hey, like 
I, I can see it from store owners' point of views. We're like scheduling that far in advance. Like they just don't know what other stuff's gonna be going on. And if like something gets released and they're like, hey, like I, I have to have this stuff going on, like magic's huge, right? Like it's not a lot. Yeah. So it's just hard to know like eight months in advance what your event count is gonna be like. Well, especially if you don't know when the magic sets release, right? Because if you scheduled an MCP LVO qualifier and all of a sudden that was going to be pre-release weekend for your new Transformers slash Lord of the Rings slash Marvel Magic the Gathering set or something, right? You're going to be like, fuck MCP. Yeah, You've got a fucking magic pre-release to do. That shit just like prints money. Um, yeah, that obviously gets, that gets a little complicated. And we had, we had one up here where Zulu's this year ended up with a scheduling conflict. I don't know off the top of my head if it was magic related, but they, they weren't going to have the tournament space for the day that they had scheduled the qualifier. So the, the, the TO worked it out with another local store that did not have a qualifier, um, to run it at their store instead. So like... There certainly is a downside to scheduling something that's meant for September. And I think Zulu's probably scheduled in like February or March. And then the, the scheduling thing didn't work out. So, um, but Amon, if you check with your stores or like, do you have like a main Houston store that you think would be like best suited to run this sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, we're doing that Texas MCP circuit, which I think Cherubanga came on your show to yeah. talk about. So, We'll probably just try to have one for each of the big city events. And then I would love if each city could also get one additional local local store event as well. So that might be a lot in Texas in general, but I'll try. I mean, there is a store. It's called The Forge. And that's where I've been trying to have most of my efforts go to. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I would say at the very least, like, have them schedule something. like, And I think there's... Do you guys like having your home store having a qualifier early in the year or later in the year? Uh, this is interesting, right? Because on one hand, if it's early in the year, you're just fresh off LVO. There probably hasn't been too many models been released since then. So the, like you've been playing and practicing. So you're probably at like the height of what you're trying to do. Yeah. The flip side is that like cool stuff generally starts coming out <laughs> towards like end of spring, right? June yeah. timeline. You're like, ah, this is awesome. I want to play new stuff. So, I, I don't know, right? Like, we had one, I think, April was one of the qualifiers here. And then we had another one in August. So, four months between, which was like a good you know, amount of time passed between them to shake stuff. Like, Cause of Ghost Rider came out, right? And, like, things changed around a little bit. But it wasn't, like, a huge upset. But that was also, like, the release schedule was kind of affecting that. Yeah. What about you, Amon? I think I prefer events to be spread out. In fact, I think what you guys maybe it could be a good idea for next year is maybe you have a limit where it's like you have the first six months sign up and then you divide the events in half and then you have the second half of the year signups because effectively what you're doing is you're spreading the events out over the year because right by now, most events and qualifiers have already happened. And so there's very little qualifiers, I think, maybe left. And that could just be a, a guess, right? But I yeah. would love if you could divide it because then it's a true representation of the MCP calendar year and, and leading into LVO versus, oh, in the first six months, meta was largely unchanged or very little change versus, you know, for example, that new core box is coming out, right, in October. I would love to see who qualifies with that new core box, right, that rewards <laughs> yeah, innovation sure. and things like that. Yeah, I don't know how many, like, I imagine there's probably at least slightly more that probably happened in the, like, kind of... 
don't know. I guess like May to August is probably where like maybe the majority of them happened. Like I imagine there was probably some that happened right away after LVO, but probably not a large percentage. And so maybe the most happened kind of in the like fifth month to eighth month. But I know there still are some. I'd be curious to see how it how it breaks down, like which months had the most. I'll talk with Tyson about it. Maybe we look at the numbers and um, but we hadn't really I'll be entirely honest. We hadn't thought that much about like spreading out the qualifiers by date. Right. Because the priority was just different stores get different qualifiers. Right. And if random store in New York runs a qualifier the same month as random store in Texas and random store in Arizona, does that matter to us? Like if that's good for their communities, does that matter? And like our, our first instinct was we, we that was not even something we were worried about. Yeah. Um, I just checked. There's nine more events where you can qualify that aren't just points. Uh, like, and the last one is Warfare Weekend in November. So another nine. So uh, yeah. it's basically like, like two a month for the next like three months, essentially. Okay. So fifth, my quick mat- napkin math would be like 15% are still left. Uh, and there's still points events and, and all yeah. that stuff. But um, we, we can actually. My suggestion of the two heats technically recreates the problem because you still have like the the FIFO problem, right? First in, first out. Yeah. Where it the day of the second heat, whatever stores I can kind of get in are going to get in quickly, and like unless you're going to then have like a adjudication, right? In terms of where events are located, right? Because like your point about hey, if random store wants to have an event, who who are you to say no necessarily if they can get the numbers up, right? So it then becomes a question of how do you spread out the events and how do you want to actually determine that? And I guess that would be like mapping out all the events that have occurred and then mapping out the next ones and then try to make sure like there's an equal spread. Yeah. Well, one thing I was thinking about earlier was this was like before the podcast earlier, I mean like a month or two ago. And I was like, are we going to be at a point where we should say every state gets one? Because then we're at 50, right? If we just straight up said every state gets to have a local qualifier, like, that's kind of just would be it, right? Because you'd have the five spots for the LCQ and then the one spot reserved for the winner. And then there's like eight spots left for like cons and such. Like that would be it, right? If we just said every state gets one, obviously there's probably a few states that don't. Yeah, like no one's going to play in Alaska, maybe, or Hawaii. I don't want to discount those communities, but like I also don't know if someone's going to fly over from one of those places for the qualifier as well. Well, I would say Alaska, probably not. But even in the War Machine days, like Hawaii had a pretty good community. I went on a work trip to Oahu and ended up staying for a couple extra days. And their community like hosted me and scheduled a tournament while I was down there. So I would not be surprised if there's a game store in Oahu that has like a pretty decent showing. Just give me more reasons to love Hawaii, man. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they were cool. Like of all the random places I visited in War Machine days, when when I was in Oahu, like they were super – they literally were like, oh, you're going to be in Oahu for this particular weekend? We will just make a tournament. And then they like showed me around and like found this like random hole in the wall like beef place that just like was cutting meat right off like the – like 
uh it was it was so good it was it was a super cool time um so i just wouldn't wouldn't discredit you know a wahoo's wargaming community um but if you guys don't have anything else on the lvo like obviously this whole show is not about lvo we're going to talk about some other formats and such too um did you guys have any other thoughts this on lvo qualifiers anything like that that you wanted to say uh one thing i remember a little earlier this year is that there was questions on like how the point system worked and like keeping track of that. And I think it was mostly because people just didn't read through the whole doc. So I don't know if there's like, uh, it's just communication like always, right? And just beating people over the head for information until it sinks in. Yeah. I mean, I guess I should just reiterate, if you're listening to this and you're like, I want my store to run one, I've gotten so many messages. It doesn't matter how many times I say this on the podcast. I get so many messages throughout the year and people are like, how do, how do we even get one? And it's like, it's literally everyone applies the same way. You go to lvois.com backslash MCP, and there's just a form that you fill out to apply. And for the most part, you apply, you get one until we were running out of space. And there was a few exceptions where we weren't giving out too many to online events uh, because we were trying to prioritize the in-person events, but we wanted to give a few to online stuff that would help people who don't have a local store, you know, potentially still have reasonable chances to qualify. Um, and then obviously, like if the same store applied at this point, we would not give a second event to the same store unless there was a really, really good reason. But, um, but yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to the next topic. Sounds good. All right. So AMG announced uh, it's weird. This is not a full announcement and I will be totally honest. I did not watch the videos. I have just taken in what everyone has said online, but the basic gist of what I understand is that Schick announced a format where you will a not have access to every single model in the line, how restricted that is or is not. We really don't know. They've just given an example of like maybe the format in a particular season or like six month time period would be something like all the heroes that are on Earth, like all the heroes and villains that do shit on Earth. Like that was just a hypothetical example. I don't know if that's meant to be like that's what's the first one's going to be. But all but what what I'd like to take away from this is a format where you will not have access to every single model that exists in MCP and then B. It's also set up where you could have like a three-day event at Adepticon where you would play a list one day and then the next day you cannot use any of the models that you used in the first list. And then on Sunday, you'd have a third list that did not include any of the models from Friday or Saturday. Um, So these are kind of the two things. Um, Do we want to kind of like address one at a time or the whole format? What do you guys think? I mean, it's kind of like all part and parcel, right? Because you can't separate everything out. But I mean, I guess we could talk aspects of it in, in time, yeah. right? Because like the first part of it is, hey, a restricted format, right? On its face in terms of like not having everything available. Then there's the question of like, hey, how do you feel about this like multi-list format? Well, um, let's, let's dive into the yeah. multi-list format thing first. So like yeah. hypothetically, let's just set aside how many models that we have access to. Amon, what do you think about a format where you would play three different lists where you're like, you got to bring at least 30 models to a convention. Is this something that interests you? Is that something that excites you? Is it just something you would do if the prestige and the rewards were good enough? Like, how do you feel about it? Yeah, that's a great question. 
And I think my initial reaction was not so positive. But then what I did is I actually watched, and I think it was an interview with Professional Casual Network. And it was on their channel, and they were talking to Will. And Will, I think, explained it and put it in a perspective which I actually align with very well. And I'm very excited for this format. Effectively, what he was saying was, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot, like often you can just play whatever is like the best considered and you can do really well in an event. But what this is forcing you to do is to like add a little bit more preparation and planning with more limitations. It forces you to be creative and you have to effectively win with three different rosters. And not only are you building three effective rosters from a limited pool, but you're also saying, hey, I have to do well on day one to make it to day two. And then do well on day two to make it to day three. And so you kind of have to like anticipate and plan which rosters are going to let you get all the way to the end. And if you can win all these events and you can do really well, then you prove not only you're a good MCP player, but you're also a creative and consistent MCP player that can win in a limited versatile that can win in a limited format. And so I love it. At first, I wasn't so sure. And I know some people are very vocal in my local community. But I think it's a great idea, and I think what it allows AMG to do is create a sense of balance. I think initially it's what Brotherhood, X Men, Avengers, and Cabal, right? I don't want to get too predictive because I'm not sure they've been like completely clear on what the first breakdown would be. Okay, I think maybe they kind I of pointed that as an example, but it's not. I take things that Schick says with a grain of salt, right? Like he's mm-hmm. probably thought about some different formats that they've talked about and. I just don't want to like quote him as being like, this is what the first four is going to be. Um, but um, bring it back to um, before we dive into like the whole format. But it sounds so would you just like the idea of going to an event that was three rosters? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm there too. I think it would be kind of fun to be like, I want to build three rosters myself that I like all three of them. What about you, Danny? Is that is that a thing that you would enjoy? You played a bunch of different things, and you played... yeah, I played all sorts of dumb stuff. Yeah, and like uh, you don't actually have that many. Like, there's no models that you're like kind of hooked on, right? You like I, mean, I have like personal favorites, but it's not yeah. like I'm only playing the game to play certain characters. It's obviously yeah. dumb now. Um, but what's interesting about this format is that since it is a lot of details, like the question is like how different? Like, is it zero model overlap between the three lists? That part different... I felt like was pretty clear: zero model yeah. overlap. Yeah, because that gets really spicy. Like, it's your point, Mon. Like, it gets spicy in terms of like constructing your lists and like where do certain models go, right? Because those the your three lists can't be the same, right? They can't work the same way necessarily. They, have to, they can work similarly, right? They have to accomplish it in different ways. Uh, like, you can't have voodoo everywhere. Like, it's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. So the question is like, how do you plan around certain key pieces? You're like, hey, I have a Hulk, I have a Malekith, I need them in two different lists. What do you build around these certain key pieces to like enable these lists, or is it like you're building a generous list and then like a questions list and messing around? Um, so like that, I like I personally find the most enjoyment in list construction because I think it's just fun to theory craft, you know, a million times uh, and go through my head and chat a box forever. But the the flip side to this is that like I also don't know a lot of details in terms of like the day to day. Like, hey, you're winning every day. But obviously, you're not going to single elimination every day, or which case, like you should end an event like somewhere between the second day, right? You're not a players if you're not reseeding the format every day. So it's like, hey, is it top eight 
from the first three days and then top points at the end of the whole event is like, cool, you're a winner? Or is like, you, you, like, how are you actually like winning, winning? So my rough idea of how this is supposed to work is that there would both be events like hypothetically that you could run at a store level or at a smaller convention where you're just like, we're going to use this format, but there's just going to be one roster. But that there will be an event at Adepticon that will be however many people and then you'll play x amount of rounds with a particular list and then it will like cut and like take x amount of you know of people from that and then there would be another cut is that just undefeated i don't know um but it could be something we're like okay we play through the first day and then we take the top 32 people after four or five rounds or something. And then the next day you then take the top 16 out of those and then they play or maybe top eight or something. I, I don't know exactly. Um, and then they would play on the third day. And again, you would, you change lists each time. Um, so I think at its core, before we start thinking about the limited pool of models, I will say the first part I find really interesting I, I do think I, – I, I understand how some people who maybe play the game, they're just like, I just fucking love Guardians. I love my Space Cowboys. Like I want to – I just love Guardians. Those are the models that I own and then I bought some other models that splash with them, that I like with them. And then that's all you play. And I can certainly understand that person thinking about this format and being like, I have basically zero interest. Yeah, like there are players who are very tactical in the purchases. They're like, hey, like I, I bought this list. I play this list. I might add a couple models every once in a while, but like yeah. this is what I like to do, Like, which is totally fine. That's not a critique or anything. But for those players, you're like the barrier of entry for them is buying into more lists that they not may, they may not necessarily want to do, right? And so like they are felt pushed out of this format by nature of how it works. Is that good or bad? There's no honestly right answer. Um but the question is, like, it, it is a financial barrier. Like, owning that many models is a barrier for people to play in the format. Yes, this format 100% cuts some people out of it. Is that okay? I mean, my first instinct is it is okay to have models or have, event, have events that cater to different people. And if this were, like, the only event that Adepticon were going to run, I would probably be like, uh, but I, I, I doubt this would be the only one. Amon, what do you think? So I think Danny brings up a really good point that I hadn't really thought of. But my immediate counter with that to be, like, if you're going to Adepticon or if you're going to a con, then you do have a little bit of disposable income, right? And I'm not here to assume, like, you know, whatever anyone's budget is. But my whole thing is, like, if you want to go play regular MCP, you can do that anywhere. And I think it's cool that Adepticon has this special format that you can choose to emulate outside of it to where you go specifically to go compete in this particularly interesting and, and different event. And so for me, like, I think it's perfectly fine. And yeah, some people might not be into it. Some people might be ex like blocked out of it. But I also think like the barrier to entry maybe is a little bit reduced with the fact that the core boxes, the new core boxes coming out and also the affiliation packs. Right. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I don't want to spend too long on this part of it and the barrier to entry, but Let's not discount the fact that if someone – like say like Nigel from Muse or something. If, I don't remember how much stuff he owns. But he loves playing like the X-Force and the X-People. And even if that 
list, like he can play all of the stuff that he loves in one of the days. If he wanted to play in the other two days, he could very easily be at the range of spending somewhere in the range of 500 to a thousand dollars to get the models to play in the other days, right? Because even if you assumed best case scenario and you could get two lists, not with any extra models, you're still spending $40 a pack, right? And like that adds up quick. And the reality is, is are you even like if you're going to build a 10 man roster that's decent, are you going to be able to just buy five packs and do that? Probably not. Like best case scenario, you're probably buying eight. But it's probably more. Um, so I just it is a barrier of entry for some people. And I get why that's um, that's something that would would bother some people. Um, do you guys have any other comments on the the barrier to entry part of this? Okay, so it sounds like all three of us are at least interested in the concept of a three list format. What do you guys think about the restricted pool of characters? This has been always interesting to me because people have on and off talked about this, like since the game started, like since I started playing the game. They're like, yeah, this is other format, and they mentioned it, but like, you know, they've never used it or whatever. And I think one of the best things like magic did was introducing other formats because ultimately when a game scales out and you're getting more and more models, right? Like it becomes very difficult to balance everything across a whole spectrum of models. Like something you designed three years ago and something you design now are going to work differently because you've learned things you've grown right as a game designer. And so you don't make the same choices or, or develop in the same way you do. So like having things be like having a restricted format, where there's only certain models available and then having a format where you have to take up a, a bigger breadth of models means like you're going to see sinister, right? Like a character who's not that popular, but it's not that he's bad. It's just like, there's other power force now. Like there's other characters that are coming out of the woodwork that you would normally see that have interesting plays that have mechanics that are just like slightly pushed out of the meta. What are your thoughts, Simon? Yeah, I completely agree with, like seeing more varied matchups and and miniatures. And I think it's kind of like a innovators or list builders delight in a sense. Like one of the things that I love about competitive gaming in general is the fact that when people put limitations on you, it forces you to kind of get out of your comfort zone and really think about what works and what doesn't. And I love that. I think it is a skill-based expression that, people it'll reward people who put the time and energy into it and i think that's part of playing tabletop wargaming especially mcp is that turn zero aspect of it right i get to be creative i get to build lists i get to use characters that i might not necessarily have ever thought about and maybe i will find newfound enjoyment and appreciation for some of these characters but also like i have to like put all my good characters i have to spread them out right across multiple lists i can't just take one super team I mean, you could, but good luck on the rest of the days, right? <laughs> yeah, like something I heard of a super long time ago is like anyone could paint the Sistine Chapel. What makes Michelangelo amazing is that he did it in four years. Fact. Right? Like if you're given 30 years and infinite time, like, yeah, you could probably do it too. It's like, but could you do it in four? I don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that well, for sure. I'd have stick figures all over the place. Um, so I... Okay, so if we first start talking about a restricted format, right? If 
if the if he, they came out and were like, all right, here's the restricted format: no Thanos, no Malekith, no CGR, no Voodoo, um, no Bill or something, right? And we're just like, okay, five of like the craziest things are just cut off the top. Now build. Would that be interesting to me? Yeah, I would. I would hop into that and see what that looks like. Um, but it doesn't sound like that's what they're doing. It is going to be a maybe half the pool of models or smaller. And I do walk away with some concerns that are you going to feed like, are you going to have some thought put into it that makes it kind of feel like you could build three solid lists or is it going to be a thing where, oh my God, there's like one really good fucking list in here. And then what if I go show up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to play three kind of balanced lists that I think are really solid that will do well against other people who are trying to get to day three. And then Amon shows up knowing that he's going to go play Shatterpoint on Saturday and Sunday. And he just brings like one list with all of the good shit, knocks my dumb ass the fuck out and then drops to play Shatterpoint. Like that, that I think concern that I have. It's a very yeah. likely scenario. There's like a weird <laughs> situation where it, technically this could calcify a meta where it's like, hey, there's only, you know, 70 models available. You're making three, you get 30 of them. Like there's only so many different combinations you can make to make affiliations, right? Like to make certain things work and certain models work. You're like, cool. Well, you, there's only one version of Avengers you can realistically play because the way this is set up is only one real version of Criminal Syndicate, but there's like three versions of Cabal. It's like, okay, well, you're going to see like certain lists kind of revolve around this, like these, these core characters. And then you're going to have like the one off list that everyone's playing, right? Because like, they're like, okay, cool. I have like stuff left over and we'll just see what we can do. So like, there is that, like that problem they could technically run into, but like, there's a lot of models they could also leave in, right? Like it's like 150 or something now. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. And, it's so so like I'm in a meta with Lexa, right? Lexa loves to try different shit. She's playing different shit every Thursday. And I could totally see my local community. If you just gave us this list of characters, right? Whatever the list is, 60 models, 70 models. And we just all agreed, hey, this upcoming Thursday, we're all going to make lists from this and just kind of see what happens. That could be really fun, but it also could fucking suck if like, one person shows up and they've got this kind of off the wall thing. And then everybody else brings the same roster or like basically the same roster. Cause we're like fucking Avengers are stupid in this format. Like Avengers have all of the tools. They're just fucking great. And then you end up with something where everybody is playing roughly the same thing. Then it's not cool. Um, I just realized like, the situation that can happen. Sorry. It's the Thanos Black Order like comes out of the woodwork. And it's like, hey, like you can still run this. And then everyone has like a Thanos Black Order. It's like, bro, I don't want to fight this three days in a row. Like, <laughs> I'm just, this is, like, this is what happened. Well, that's kind of like nature of the beast, right? Like, yeah. And, and with content creation and people coming up with ideas and sharing everything, people will figure out what lists are probably optimal very quickly. But I think it's the skill and maybe anticipating that, making tech pieces and being able to utilize them at the right time when you come up across those matchups. Like, yeah, in theory, like hypothetically, if it's in this example, that's not confirmed yet. X-Men, Brotherhood, Avengers, whatever, Cabal, right? Hypothetically, like you could take probably a Magneto slash Mystique list, right? And then a Steve list probably with Sam and then Storm, right? And that's probably a great team or whatever Cabal character you want. But the idea is that 
yeah, there are probably some leaderships that will be more optimal than others, but I don't know. I mean, I just think it's it's just really interesting. And yeah, I mean, you can figure anything out, but I just like the fact that they're trying something new and it might not be a hit, right? But four years into the game, like, are we just trying to play Symbiote and uh, whatever regular game, right? Well, and I agree with you. Like, the core concept here is something I can get behind, right? A multi-list format, I at least think it's worth trying, right? Whether we agree that like down the road, because one of the problems we had in the War Machine days, you try to do a multi-list format and you would just end up in situations where War Machine had a problem with there was kind of like 10 lists or something that like they were spread out on different affiliations that were all fucking great. And if you played those 10 against each other, the game was amazing. If you tried to play anything else against those, it was a fucking crazy uphill battle and it wasn't super fun. And like maybe every once in a while, somebody finds something and goes, oh, I found the 11th one that fits in with these. And that was always super cool and super exciting, but that was pretty rare. Um, And so my point here is, yeah, they're absolutely like can be a restricted format, but you got to be like conscientious of what happens in a multi-list format. But I at least want to try. My biggest concern is what is the list of characters going to look like? And if they're going for a purely thematic feel, right, where you're just like, we're doing these four affiliations, for example. Like My concern here is that there's a lot of balance that occurs within MCP because of splash characters being available to everyone. And there's just certain characters you remove them from the pool it may have a larger impact than you realize and i'm just not sure based on their initial like what they've initially said whether there will be that much thought put into like trying to make the format balanced or is it just going to be kind of like the wild wild west and be like all right players figure out what's fucking good and then maybe we have a format that either is great or isn't what do you what do you guys think about that? It's I mean, we know so little right now, so we're kind of just, you know, trying to see what they could do with the format. I think it's like, do you carefully balance it or are you just sort of like hacking together a like the first draft is always gonna be hard, right? Like this first year trying things out, see what changes in the meta. Like they talk about how their brains are like literally multi years in the future in terms of model development. Now you're technically going backwards and going like, actually we're gonna cut this new stuff out, change here. It's like cool, we're reverting parts of the meta. Right. And what does that even look like with the context of certain models coming? Like you're gonna say, hey, you know, Avengers are in, but new core box is part of that. It's like cool, those are Avengers, they come in. It's like well, what what is spectacular spider-man change like of avengers list or change like a web warriors list when you're in this new format like how does it like just manipulate the overall meta i agree and what i'd like to see is sure we can have affiliation limitations but what if we did affiliation limitations with some very popular characters missing like what if there was no malekith or a red skull 2 allowed in this particular thing or no sam like you know captain america sam like I think that makes it more interesting as well. And I think they have a really golden opportunity here to really change up the way people are playing this game right now, because, you know, right now it's a lot of Malekith, it's a lot of Sam, it's a lot of Red Skull 2, whatever, right? And you can remove that effectively and play a different version of MCP, a fresher version of MCP that I think could maybe help cleanse the palate for some people 
or maybe help them really enjoy the game in a way in which they may not be able to right now. Yeah, I mean, the, there's some really interesting new leaderships, right? And so, like, if this format had something, like, it would be a super cool time to, like, bust out Red Skull Master of the World and see what a list looks like. But do I have enough of the Splash characters that it's going to be interesting, or am I going to want to play without it? And obviously, that's where the big question mark comes in. I will say that Tyson and I at least have thought about, like, if this full format gets announced before LVO... We may have a thing where this would not be for people playing in the Invitational and stuff, but something where some a group of MCP players could essentially agree to be like, all right, this will be a sign-up of like, this would be probably our one event that would have like a restricted sign-up where it'd be like, okay, if eight people commit to doing this, we will run the event where like three rounds, three or four rounds or something on Friday with one list and then the next day you play with this different list and then on Sunday you play with a different list and then like whoever ends up with the best record overall over the first those three days wins the thing um to like let people experiment with the format so if AMG gives us the format in time we would at least try to have an event so people who wanted to try it could because I mean I I'm all for testing things out and seeing seeing what comes of it and I think yeah, you guys think, are going to probably play in the qualifier or play in the invitational so probably not for you guys but I could see other people being interested yeah I mean I, people are going to want to try out the format like in a real setting of actual stakes right yeah. before the event happens just for the sake of just making sure they understand how everything interacts with each other and playing their list and everything um it just depends on when, you know, they announce all of this, right? Because Adopticon's in April. So there's not a lot of time from start of the year to actually, like, get events on the books to do all of this stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, if it's going to be a six-month window, if they imagine this being January through June, right, and include um, include Adepticon in there, if they announce it in December, I could see us, like, making the option for it. So, and that would be kind of cool. Like if I were a content creator and I wasn't going to play in the invitational, I think it'd be kind of cool to play in something like that and be like, all right, I'm going to record an episode and I'm going to break down what it was like over the three days. And like, what did I see? And like, was it fun? Like all of those sort of things. Like, and honestly, as a spectator as well to MCP, I would listen to that episode and I would be very curious what the, what their thoughts were. Um, well, did you guys have anything else you wanted to say on this perspective um, format? Amon, do you remember what they called it? Dude, super good question. I can look it up. But nah, it's, I was just, if you happen to, Danny, did you? I do not remember what okay, they called it. Yeah, I was, wasn't super. I felt like they had a name, but props on AMG for wanting to do a format, wanting to do something a little bit different. Um, so I, still have concerns that it might get a little bit too themey and i do understand the people who are um feel like this there's an event that's just like not for them because of their you know they have their favorite affiliation but it's kind of in the same sense like they did the worthy right obviously that is not a competition for every single painter obviously they were being very encouraging they wanted every painter to participate and they gave everybody something 
but there's still really only like 1% of the painters out there that had any real chance of walking away with a giant Odin statue. And but that's the same for a, a gaming event, right? Like, yeah. you know, Pat won Adepticon, right? Like, how many people are in Pat's caliber? Like maybe 1%, 2% of the, the population, yeah. right? Like, And that's my point is like... Oh, okay. The, yeah, yeah I, we, I think you and I are agreeing. My, my point is, is like they did this really cool competition and obviously the end goal is to have more... Like they gave advice to every single painter who submitted something and had cool conversations with them and such. But that was still like the end goal was also we want the best painter who participated in this to walk away with this cool trophy. And I imagine that's a little bit of their goal with this as well, right? They want to do something really special that helps separate the best of the best. Pat's won a whole bunch of shit with Thanos guardians. Would Pat have been able to win all three days playing three, you know, two other lists. He fully admitted around that time, like he was hooked on playing Thanos. He loved it. He he played he played Cabal in the affiliation thing. I know that like Vince got him in that one. And he was like, he's still Pat, right? He still plays a really fucking good game. But I think it would be fair to say that any other two affiliations that you gave him, he would at least be playing them 1% worse than he was playing Thanos Guardians because he was like really in the zone with that particular list. And so it's it's just another thing to try to separate the best of the best. And I'm not trying to pick on Pat. I think Pat could absolutely do fucking great with three different lists. He's played a ton of different shit. But it's another thing that goes, oh, you have to not just be good with one list. You got to be good with this and be good with this. Um, and that's and I respect that they want to create a kind of a unique challenge. Yeah, it's um, like asking more of the player right like the time investment in terms of trying out the stuff thinking in very various ways across the days putting the effort to the models right like all that sort of stuff and i looked up the event it's called timeline events timeline Timeline. events cool well i'm gonna be following listeners I'm, i'm curious what your your feedback is either way like obviously we love playing with our toys right and we often want to play what we want to play um and so we're going to kind of talk a little bit about team event stuff. Um, we are all on a WTC team together. And I and before I preface my thoughts on this, I voted for the 50 unique characters. So when I'm about to say I'm starting to think I don't like this format, <laughs> I voted for it. So just like I'm not blaming anyone else for this. I'm blaming myself for this because I thought this was really, really interesting in my head. And and when it was just me in my head building five lists, I was like, yeah, there's like th- you could definitely build five really good lists with all unique characters. And I was really excited about what this would be like with some of like my favorite people and I didn't think about in the moment that this doesn't factor in like what people are practiced with, what people actually want to play and like how many affiliations are actually to- like as soon as you build one list, like how many affiliations are potentially like totally off the table because now key characters are gone. Like if you give voodoo to Avengers is convocation or midnight suns, even a valid consideration and like that kind of stuff. And 
Uh, you guys are building lists as well. What are your thoughts so far? Like, is the 50 unique characters going to be interesting? Like, obviously, we haven't played in it yet. So I might walk away with a totally different thought after we've played in it. Like, oh, man, it was really interesting. You know, I don't know. Like, it's just my instincts in the moment right now are just kind of like, oh, if someone wants to switch or like someone starts feeling like they don't like a particular team, like it's so hard to pick anything else like mid adjustment. I don't know. Mon, what are you how are you feeling so far? Yeah, it's really interesting because. And this one, actually, it's funny. It might be how Timeline ends up as well. Is in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is super fun. We're all going to pick unique stuff. And I still think it is an enjoyable process. And I'm really looking forward to the event. But I also, I just think at a certain point, the limitations limit you to a point where it's like, all right, well, I guess one of us has to play Guardians and one of us has to play Avengers because it's the most optimal way where we can have the most powerful and potent lists without stepping on your toes too much. And then one of us is going to do this and one of us is going to do that. So I do feel like it's in an ironic way that we're trying to be so unique that it forces us to not be unique, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like hypothetically, like say we predict what all these lists look like in the end, right? If you just start compiling all of the team's models, how many like if you just look at 10 different teams, are those teams going to basically be running the same 50 models or same 55 models or same 60 models? Like, are we going to be at a point where every team looks kind of similar where you're like, okay, there's like 10 model difference, but there's like 40 models that almost every team includes that kind of actually narrows down the field where if there had been less character restrictions, then maybe there would have been more A-Force or something where it's like, oh, well, they had this really cool game plan. It would have been kind of cool to see more of them, but they just kind of got cut out because too many things needed some of their characters. And I'm not sure that's actually a good example. I don't know if that applies to A-Force, but Danny, what are you thinking so far? Yeah, this is interesting because like another example is Black Cat. Because there's multiple relationships she can go in. It's like, does she go in the Kingpin plan? Is she in the Webs plan? Are you doing like She's a Steel most, plan? Her and Wolverine, right, are the most affiliated characters in the game. Yeah, like everyone. No, it's Spider Woman. Like she's oh, it's Spider Woman now. Yeah, 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 Spider Woman got one more. It was like Black Cat and Wolverine were like four, and then Spider Woman's like five. Or is yeah, it five but it's like, and six? Something. I think it's five and six. Yeah, um, it's like a silly high number for Jess. Um, but it makes it interesting because like, do you play Kingpin, which is awesome or do you not play webs which is also awesome and it's like you're in like a weird situation you're like this one model kind of determines what's happening here because like that model like is like ingrained into their game plan like it really like enables a lot of the tricks like cat is one of those like hey she counts twice and she can steal in with kingpin which is like a, a double situation like a double uh jeopardy situation you're like okay even if she just does nothing, she's forcing you off a point you have to deal with her. If you damage her and don't kill her, she just steals and runs away. It's like, uh, okay, like neither of these options is good for me. Yeah. Now, I'm sure there's listeners who are like, oh, no, you can't have Black Cat in every list. I hate Black Cat. I'm glad you only get one. But the, the concept isn't Black Cat specifically. Yeah. Yeah. It's this concept of... You know, it could be, you know, like maybe you have one person who loves A-Force and one person who loves Wakanda. Neither of them are considered top in the meta, but one person loves like the, uh, 
I think it's Curtis's list, right? Who uses a Koye and then somebody wants to play like Tetsuo's list that uses a Koye and Wakanda. Like you just can't have both of those on your team. Losing a Koye is really critical to both of those plans. Even though a Koye is not considered a top tier model, she is still essential to kind of both of those teams. Um, and so it's it's been little stuff like that. Like we've ended up with like some weirdly contested characters that are not on people's top 10, top 20 list. Like fucking everybody on our team loves Spider-Woman. Yeah. Like everyone's fighting over it. It's funny. Um, I think it's, it's like, like <laughs> a one like on one hand, right, like forcing people to sort of reevaluate who should get what is like part of the list designing challenge of this format. The flip side to it is that tweaks or changes a certain thing can like have ripple effects across the whole team where it's like, oh, I'm not playing this model anymore. It's like, okay, well, now it's up. Well, I'm changing this around. And like, you just have to like reassociate what's happening every time. And it causes, uh, not stress, not quite the right word, but like it caused like you have to have conversations about this. And it's like who's practicing what, who's trying what. You're like it just ends up being this like huge deal where before, like in team formats, it's like I'm playing this, I'm playing, I'm playing this. We have roughly the same thing. We'll talk about stuff, we'll like doge online, we'll play games against each other, like cool, that's fine. And we're not really stepping on each other's toes. Because like in a lot of other formats that do this, it's like your affiliation, your faction is locked in, but not the models necessarily. Yeah. And it's like cool. Yeah. Before I know, Amon probably has something he wants to jump in here with. But obviously, Danny and I are comparing this to War Machine, where, you know, they had uh, factions where MCP has affiliations. I don't want to talk a ton about War Machine. But the gist was that you could make a team and you could have any five factions on the team. And there was nothing that stopped unless you just thought it was negative for you in a matchup sense, like where you didn't want too many shooty teams like you you could just run any combination of the 20 different factions but it doesn't feel like you can do that in this format for MCP we cannot just go anyone can choose factions you just have to play different ones like that doesn't it doesn't feel like that it seems as soon as someone kind of is like okay charles is playing x men okay weapon x is off the fucking table right yeah. like there's too many characters that are gone or like X-Force is off the table. We have an X-Men. That means we cannot have an X-Force player. We cannot have a Weapon X player. Their characters are being used. And that's just different. Um, Amon, did you have any comments there? I know we kind of derailed a little bit with the War Machine chitter chatter, but I managed to not mention any of their faction names. Yeah, no, it's I, I actually completely agree with you guys. Like, And it, again, it's, it's interesting because it's like it's part of the... Yeah, again, for lack of a better term, nature of the beast, right? Like, we get to optimally decide, like, who gets Pyro, who gets Black Cat, who gets Hulk, who gets this, right? And so you also run the the, the concern of, do we put too many eggs in one basket, you know? And it's, again, like, the way that we pair, right? Like, who's going to be put up for, I guess, lack of a better term, slaughter, right? Like, and who's going to take the L's, <laughs> and how do, we, how do we position this and that? And, like, it's also... In, in addition to the list building, it's also about, like, player ego and skill, right? Like, for example, I have no problem losing every game if it means we win the event, right? Like, I'll take all those hard matchups. Some people might not want to do that on other teams, you know? Like, if you think about it, we're taking the best players in the world, and in theory, right? And putting them all against one another and 
for for king and country and all that right and so <laughs> i think the idea is maybe some people aren't going to just because you're all great players doesn't mean you might gel as as well right so that's another aspect that i find very fascinating about it but the format and the limitations that the i guess format has i don't know it's it's interesting i mean i really want pyro for my guardians list but am i going to get them probably not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely, like, some really hard decisions in there. And then, like, maybe when we get to actually, like, play the matchups, right, then it's going to be really interesting because you're seeing, like, a slightly more varied, like, oh, not every Guardian's list has Pyro, right? Like, or is it going to be the flip side? You're like, well, not everyone got to play with Hulk, but I played against Hulk all fucking six games. (laughs) You know, like, that can still happen. So it'll be interesting. It was just something that was really hitting me in the last week where I was like, I was actively very excited for this format and voted for it. And, and now I'm actually starting to wonder if I even had a, just because I could build five good rosters that, that doesn't like, unless the, every single person on your team does not care what they play. And I just think that's an unreasonable expectation where like everyone kind of has their stuff that they prefer and like the things that they love to play and like that's still really important to me that everybody on the team gets to play something that they enjoy playing you know something interesting about this i just realized where you're saying that is that someone could be good with x affiliation and unless people are willing to build around that or be accommodating for that they might actually make the cut something because like the team cannot have that affiliation playing because it's just so greedy they're like hey like i only want to play guardians i only like want to do this it's like cool it's like well we want those models. We want Bill somewhere else. We want this other character over here. It's like, cool. Like, you are you can't play, right? Like, that's like a weird situation where it's like, hey, like, you, if you're playing at, at such an international event in, like, a multi, you know, player setting, you want all your players to feel like they're playing at their best, right? Like, they're they're playing what they love. They're doing their best and, and contributing to the team. Um, and it just feels weirdly restrictive where we're extremely interested to talk about the stats after this event right and like it's gonna be super interesting what models like come to the top and in what affiliations like do you always see voodoo in one affiliation and that was just like what happened he was just postured right into there it's like oh huh like that's kind of interesting will there be a really good affiliation like brotherhood where everyone just picked their characters like somebody wanted pyro someone wanted mystique someone wanted jugs and then there's just like no fucking brotherhood in the event because everybody took their characters i know amon likes stealing them brotherhood characters i do what i'm actually really curious about is like how do spider foes work like is the team that wins going to be like some insane, you know, innovative team where they took an affiliation that no one really prepped for? Things like that, right? But back to what you said, Danny, I really like that point you made because, again, expression of players, a true player skill, right? Like, if you're good at a game, you should, in theory, be able to play any faction. Like, if you just played Avengers for four years and you always win with Avengers, like, yeah, you're a great Avengers player. But in the grand scheme of MCP players, like how good of an MCP player are you? And that's what I think is exciting because if you can play everything, especially in limited formats, or you like can take the L and say, hey, you have to be you have to be our criminal guy. You know, like I don't like playing criminals, but if I had to do it, I would. I don't like playing. Well, I like playing Daredevil. I don't. If so, if, you, if the team that's was fair. like, Charles, you have to play Kingpin. And I'd be like, I will do this for the team. But I might have to drink more than normal for this event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, uh, 
big example is, you know, I've, I've won the American team championship with, for Warhammer Underworlds and it, we won't go too deep into that, but like my list was designed to like, I have to play the hardest thing and we are hoping we get two good matchups where my guys will win. And then if I win that matchup, great, you know? And like, for me, like that was like throwing my head against the wall because everybody was taking this one particular character that I hated to play against, but my whole two day event was playing against that every single round. And you know, but you I just, yeah. we won, but did I enjoy it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we've had some really good discussion. Um, and the main takeaway that I want for the listeners is that we just wanted to discuss the formats, both in like positive and negatives. Like it is okay. We may still be very excited about the WTC, but that we can still have an interesting discussion about a format, just like any group of friends would. Um, and the same thing about AMG's format and the same thing. Like, I'll be totally honest, when I when I told Amon that we were going to have some, we're going to talk about LVO, he's like, bro, I have some not fully positive things that I want to express. I was like, fuck it, let's do it. Like, this was not meant to be all positive. This is meant to be a discussion amongst friends um, and with the community. So Amon and Danny, thank you guys. I'm really glad we got to have this chat. Yeah, it's been an awesome time. Yeah, I love like roundtable discussion. So this is great. Yeah, this. Uh, I feel like this could easily have happened after an event around drinks at a bar. Um, I would be drinking Pinot Noir so that I could show Amon what Pinot Noir is. Are we? <laughs> are we ever going to let this down? No, probably not. Um, but all right, guys. Um, Amon. Um, I have you haven't been on quite as much as Danny. Do you want to shout out anything before we wrap up the main episode? Yeah, first of all, thank you to to you, Charles, and uh, Omnis Protocol for having me on. And if you're interested in talking to me or or listening to some of the other content I create, um, I'm on two podcasts. One is called Path to Glory for Warhammer Underworlds, and the other one is called Hello There for Star Wars Shatterpoint. And yeah, message me anytime down to chit chat down to play games. Awesome. Well, I think this is where we're going to close out the main episode. And I'm just going to say the most OP thing that you can do is challenge yourself, try a new format, try a new list. And I think that's best for anyone. So later nerds.